welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At GroupHomeRiches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business. And on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. Welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. On today's episode, we have yet another superstar from our private Facebook group for Gold Course members. Anthony, welcome to the show and, and thank you for joining us. Yep, definitely appreciate the uh, invite, Brandon. Such a pleasure to be on the podcast. I appreciate it. So I see you doing big, big things in here. I see all the couple of recent big posts that we're going to get into. <laughs> but before that, why don't you introduce yourself? Let us know a little bit about your background and what made you even, you know, look into this type of housing in the first place? What made you, you know, want to look into group homes? Okay. Yeah, it's a good question. So, uh, so a little bit about me. Uh, my first name is Anthony. My last name is Lawson. Served in the military in the uh, Army National Guard and uh, joined very young. I think I joined at 18, 19, somewhere around there. Uh, did about five and a half, close to six years in the other uh, guard while I was doing some law enforcement things. Got out of that because that's just not what I wanted to do. Um, ultimately, the uh, law enforcement side. Still trying to figure out myself while you know I'm still young in my late twenties. Um, in my early twenties, I was like, you know what, uh, it's just not cut it out for me. And then you know I always had a vision to do very big things and and helping the community. As I got out of the academy and actually got a job to go overseas to do uh, diplomat protection services, I had like an epiphany and I had got a giant single family house. And uh, I learned a little bit about rooms and shared living through uh, my uncle, which I'm grateful to have him as well. And I learned a lot of group home stuff just by self-teaching myself. And we'll get into more deeper you know, uh, details of that. Yeah, I started doing some shared living. So I was like, man, you know, I'm going to work so hard <laughs> and I got a giant house with, you know, six bedrooms and two bathrooms. I was like, man, you know, you know, let me learn the shared living game. So I started doing that. And then from there, I was like, man, if I can rent them out six to six fifty a room, which I was doing, you know, that's pretty good income. That was much more than I was making at just the job. So um, I started doing that. And then from there, I started learning about um, creative real estate. And I started doing some lease options on properties. I started doing some seller finance on properties. And uh, all while I was still doing wholesaling as well, too. So I still wholesale to this day. I love wholesaling. I think it's the uh, meat and potatoes of learning how to actually find deals and not only to assign them to buyers or flip them or whatever you're going to do, but to actually just learn the, you know, the, the basic traits of just finding a deal, contacting the seller. I still do that. And then uh, I was doing all of that stuff at, you know, at one time, but then I just had this, uh, you know, even more of a, I call it like another epiphany. And I was like, instead of doing one person to a room, why not just do two people <laughs> if I could? And then I, I self-taught myself all of this stuff. I didn't know if it was right or wrong at the time or if I was in compliance or I wasn't. I kind of figured I was because I started looking at more of the federal laws and I started seeing like how the Fair Housing Act was, you know, can protect you. And that's how I learned about Oxford House and all that stuff back then, about six years ago. And then um, I was like, you know what? Why not just keep it going? And then from there, I learned how to scale it and actually not go there to collect rent or, you know, anything like that. I started actually um, putting the systems into place. And then from there, I started doing licensed ones and unlicensed ones. And we can get very deep into that because I love licensed facilities. 
is actually not complicated as people think it is. And we could talk more about that. But, but yeah, that's that's pretty much about, you know, me in a nutshell. And I do general contracting with my partner from New Jersey. We license and we're licensed in Cleveland, Ohio. So I travel a lot. Uh, wholesale business. And that's pretty much about it. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I love I love it. Yeah, just yep. in the intro, you dropped a, a couple gems. So let that first property that you had, was that like, did you pick that up from wholesaling or did you get into rentals first or how, how did you acquire that? Well, actually, it, the first one was a private deal. And it's funny because the first deal was actually through my uncle mm-hmm. and I begged him to sell me one of his properties. <laughs> okay. From there, I, I picked it up sort of like a uh, creative way because I utilize the uh, FHA to actually purchase it with three and a half percent down with anybody don't know that's like a first time home buyer program where you can purchase uh properties you know first time at uh three and a half percent and uh took the basement and then from there um started doing shared living on the on the up top uh renting them out six to six fifty and then that's pretty much it awesome so did you were you doing that first or, or wholesaling i was i was actually wholesaling first okay so wholesaling first and then I uh, had a little, you know, some capital put to the side, but it wasn't, you know, like a whole lot. I was just starting out, but I was still working as well. So I was able to uh, qualify for the long through my um, job at the time. Yeah. That's how I ended up meeting Andy too. I, I was a wholesaler. It's still kind of dabble. Yep. And we, we recommend our people, you know, don't try to learn group homes and wholesaling at the same time, <laughs> you know, pick, pick one or the other, but yeah, you hit the nail <laughs> on the head with wholesaling. I yep. think it's a great way to kind of get into investing if that's what you want to do because you control the deal, right? And then from here, you know, this is just another tool in your tool belt, right? You're probably just picking off the deals that you like, wholesaling off the others. It's very similar to what Andy does as well. So I yep. asked him, you know, <laughs> I asked him, hey, what's the ROI that you get on your group homes? And he said, if I have to calculate the ROI, I'm not going to do the deal. So <laughs> I bet you it's probably, you probably seeing the same thing when you're finding these properties at a discount and then getting the, the cash flow that these things generate. Do you know what your ROI is? Oh man, my ROI is always infinite, honestly. Yeah. The, yeah. Way I, the, way, the way I structure my deals too, like, and I, I teach a lot of this stuff too, especially the license side. We, we'll definitely get more into that. But as far as like how I structure my deals, you know, now I've been, you know, networking so much and people, you know, know that's primarily what I do. Half of the time, I don't even have to bring any money. So now my return is really infinite because now I'm creating cash flow off of, thin, you know, out of thin air, really. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> or even, or even if I did put in money, you know, my return is always over 100% because you have so much cash flow coming in versus your down payment that you got to put down. Yeah. I mean, if you told this type of ROI to the poor uh, landlords making 200 bucks per month, two or 300 bucks per month, they would think it was a scam. But that's why the folks listening to this podcast are lucky, right? <laughs> <laughs> I um, agree. I definitely want to get into the licensing side of things because that's something that I, honestly we're kind of learning at this point as well. Yep. Um, but let's take it back to like just the beginning again, you know, before you even found us, you were working mm-hmm. with your uncle. You know, what type of licensing process did you go through? What what was that like? Because that's usually the number one thing that folks get kind of hung up on and it kind of holds them back. Yep, yep, yep. So I'm, I'm going to drop a quick note I always tell people, but I get into that after I answer your question. So 
after I started doing those deals, I started doing a lot of creative deals. Like I started leasing up properties, doing sublets, subleasing, and creating that cash flow. And I had, you know, a chunk of change set it to the side. And that's when I started going out there to buy them. Because my whole thing is, you know, you can create a business model out of either, either one. And I always tell people, whichever best, you know, suits you. Because just like Burger King, you know, they don't own everything. You know, they lease a lot of the space to a landlord. But the way my business model is, I preach a lot of ownership with real estate because, you know, equity, you will always have it. You won't have to worry about a landlord, you know, losing a property to a bank or anything like that. So um, I preach a lot of that. But then when it comes to the licensing one, what I found was even in uh, 2022, it's probably the best time to go after the licensed ones because a lot of them are retiring. And then what happens when I'm starting to see throughout the country, because I start studying markets throughout the country and I do a lot of consult for people around the country to help them get their license. And what I'm starting to see is a lot of the sellers not only are retiring, but, you know, group homes are like a best kept secret that nobody's really targeting them. And then a lot of the sellers are stubborn. They don't want to list it with a broker. They don't want to list it with a realtor. So what they do is shut down the license. And then what happens is a lot of people get displaced in different facilities or they go back homeless, which is very sad. So, you know, it's like no time, like no other, like literally you don't have to pull a list like wholesaling or nothing like that. The way I teach it, you can find these group homes just by doing keywords on the uh, internet and then it pops right up and you just cold call the facilities. Yep. So <laughs> we're working with someone who just retired. You know, he just grinded it out doing the licensed facilities for like 10 years. Yep. Um, and you know the type of cash flow that those bring in, right? So you know why he's retired now, right? <laughs> um, again, I'm, I've been going back and forth with him for a couple weeks now and learning, yep. learning it as well. But yeah, he dropped a gem on me just recently when we recorded our podcast, which will probably be, you know, it's going to be the one released right before you. So yeah, he got into it with only $2,000 down and his property was making 18000 that property brought in 18,000 bucks. So I'll kind of simplify kind of how I understand it and let me know if it's similar to what you do. But yeah, okay. he just, he finds, like you said, people that, that have the license already, they have the home up and operating. You know, he worked out just the lease with the folks and kind of was able to operate using their license. Is that some, is that kind of similar to what you do? Yes. It, a little bit in a way. What I do is a little bit different because a lot of the sellers, you know, once they sell, in their mind, they're retired. <laughs> they don't want any kind of liabilities with the property and all this stuff. And, you know, so the most that we have them do is like stay on for like 30 days or something like that until the license, you know, transfer. Or we put like a clause in the contract that say you know, the deal can't close until we fully get the license. Because I, I want everything when, you know, we, we close, essentially. I don't want the sellers to still be involved. I want to do my own thing, put my own systems in there. But you can set it up like that. I taught people to do that, that have like, like they want to save more money. Maybe they do have money or maybe they have little uh, cash reserves. They can do things like that too. Step in the facility with, with very little and then uh, lease it with an option to buy it sometime in the future. You know, yeah. so it is, you know, different ways to structure it. But that's, again, just the opportunities in this niche, in this industry is pretty mind blowing. So I honestly was always under the impression that you had to buy the house. Then you had to go through like the licensing process, which can take, mm -hmm. you know, I've seen some people take like years to get through it and they still can't get it. Right. And mm -hmm. then you have to sit on that property while it's vacant the whole time. Yeah. So we're, we're learning along with you guys, probably the past two podcasts. Now we're, we're dropping some gems for you guys. So 
there are ways to kind of get into it and kind of avoid the hassle. And I've seen people literally lose six figures trying to get a licensed facility up and they don't wow. get it. Yeah. So very cool that you're doing that as well. So, yeah, well, I mean, why don't, why don't we get into that since we're on that? Why don't we like, let's talk about, I guess the first licensed property that you got, like kind of break down a little bit for the folks, how you, how that, that process was. Yeah. So yeah, the process is it's not horrible. You know, it can be, I would say the most thing you can probably lose is your time. It's not too much cost effective because in New Jersey, they want you to be licensed for every little thing, man. I tell you, even sober living facilities, they're trying to put constraints on that, you know. So, but for New Jersey, like, you know, the simple rooming house license, that was my first one ever. Simple rooming house license, it's not bad, man. It's a couple hundred bucks. You get, you know, you, you pay for the license, a couple hundred bucks. You pay for the um the fire inspection, couple another couple hundred bucks. So let's call it all in a thousand right there. And then from there, it's already cash flowing though. So you just got to make sure that the owner that owns that, that has their own license already is in compliant, meaning like uh, it's not distressed or anything. Because what happens is a lot of these room houses start going to disrepair because a lot of the owners, you know, maybe they do one out and they just not fixing up the property. So now it's going in some sort of disrepair. So when they do go out and you, you know, you get your surveyor to come out from the state to inspect it. Now, you know, it may be tough to get it because the house is not in, you know, uh, up to par which has nothing to do with the buyer, but you know, the seller has to make sure that they upkeep the property or it's not going to pass some um, inspection or the buyer can take over and assume those violations if that's what they want to do. So yeah, but my first seven was, you know, simple room house license, not, not a lot of money up front to get it uh, up and running. And then from there, you know, you just stay on top of when the license got to be renewed, you know, it's just a simple certificate of occupancy. And then um, they issue you the, well, in New Jersey, it's called uh, New Jersey uh, Department of Bureau of Room and House and Boarding Standards. They uh, issue the license and then uh, that's pretty much it. They come out and inspect it. Make sure you got your um, exit signs up, your fire extinguishers. Some properties don't have to be sprinkled, uh, have the sprinkler system. Some of them do. And then a lot of them already grandfathered in. Now, if they want, if the ones that do need the sprinkler system, I tell people stay away from those because it's a little bit costly. A sprinkler system can run you like 20 grand, 25 yeah. on you know, uh, how big the building is. That's usually for like commercial though. For houses, I see them in houses too, but it's usually like the real big ones. And it depends on class of licensing that they issue you. In New Jersey, it can be like class A, class B, class C room and house. And then uh, usually the differences between those is like some of them you can have two to a room, you know? So that's really the biggest difference in New Jersey. And then from there, I started getting a group home license in other states and things like that. Very cool. So- yep. Are you focused on just the housing or are you providing any, any services as well? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We provide services too. I do both. So what usually with licenses and what I found out is that's usually when you have your staff, you know, you provide um, meals, you do a uh, medication and you have your staff in the medication, but it's not, you know, people, they hear about it and like, Oh man, I don't know if I really want to do that, but that's how I'm able to scale because you put systems in place to make sure that the systems run effectively. I teach people to like, Think of how Jeff Bezos or like the Tesla guy, you know, like they are not going to go in there every day and do the work, but they have the systems in place and make sure it runs a, a effectively. And then, you know, you tweak your systems every now and then, make sure things are good to go. But yeah, you know, it, that's, that's simply about it. So I, ha I do have properties unlicensed. And I still have some license. And then the license, one of the biggest thing I've just seen is uh, 
you know, medication, you know, uh, food, things like that, providing additional services. Maybe you got caseworkers coming in. You provide some sort of like counseling services. So I do all, you know, all of those. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages to kind of each method, like the licensed versus the unlicensed route, in, in your opinion? That's a very good question, man. That's a question I ask myself every day. And then <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually diversify, and that's why I have both. So I would say, let's start with the license. So I would say the license disadvantage would be if somebody is on the time constraint and they wanted to just hurry up. And I'm talking about from the ground up, though. Like if you was trying to do it from the ground up, maybe the property is vacant and maybe you don't necessarily know what you can, you know, how to how to get the license per se. It can be time. You know, it can take, well, I've seen it go three to six months, you know, depending on, you know, have you all your ducks in a row. If you got all your ducks in a row, it can take as fast as, you know, 45 to 60 days, honestly. But if you don't really know what you're doing, then it can take up to six months. Maybe they keep kicking the paperwork back. You got to resubmit the paperwork. Now you got to wait on the inspector, the inspector to come out and actually inspect the property. So, you know, that I would I would say that's probably it right there. And I would say um, another thing is I teach this, too, as far as like how to retain staff. But um, I would say labor is probably a tough one for a lot of people throughout the country. And I say it depends on where you're at in the country, though, because if you're in like a California, it may be tough trying to pay somebody, you know, 10 to 12 bucks an hour. Right? That's that may be not, you know, that, that's a little tough. But if you're in somewhere like the Midwest, in certain parts of like Texas or certain parts of Florida, like Jacksonville, then you probably can pull that off. You know, 10 to 15, that's usually a good range to stay at for staff. And I would say the advantage, though, for license, man, your cash flow is is. Oh, man. Compared to the unlicensed, you probably make you can make like three times as more as you would on the unlicensed side, which is crazy. So, you know, now that cash flow can suffice for paying, you know, utilities, staff workers, licensing fees, which is not a lot anyway. And you have a lot of uh, buffer to pay yourself. So um, that's that. And then I would say for the unlicensed, the advantage is, of course, you have no staff. You don't really have to provide anything except for, you know, the housing. So once you provide that, I mean, you, it self runs itself. You can have a living house manager to pretty much do everything for you. And then, you know, you can have your quick book set up and all that stuff. And you pretty much good to go. Oh man. I would say the disadvantage to the unlicensed side is uh, probably with lenders. I've seen lenders and cash flow. What I mean by that is certain parts of the country, I'm seeing the cash flow is, uh, is peanuts. Meaning like you, you probably cash flowing. I mean, well, compared to a, a normal landlord, you know, normal landlord only making two to 300 bucks, <laughs> which is a little crazy. On a good month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on a good month. You know, the unlicensed side, you can, you can cash flow a couple grand, depending on where you are in the country, though, depending. And I would say a lot of the people I see doing the unlicensed have to deal with the city back and forth because they don't understand. And now you got to explain to them the Fair Housing Act, you know, and all this other stuff. Which you always win anyway, honestly. You always win. But then, you know, the properties tends to be on the uh, the city's radar and, you know, all this other stuff. You know, I just want people to know you always win. You always win. But then you have to, you know, you know, let them know you mean business. I ran into that when I first started um, a property in North New Jersey. And I had to kind of go back and forth with not the city per se, but just code enforcement. And he was trying to cite me, oh, this is an unlicensed room house and things like that. And I just had to let them know, like, hey, my man, you know. According to certain paragraphs in the uh, Fair Housing Act, I don't have to abide by state and city ordinances. 
And then when I was breaking it down to him, he was like, oh, oh OK. Um, it didn't really have like no clear answer to <laughs> kind of combat, you know, the FHA uh, guidelines. So which is which is helpful. But I would say, you know, I like doing both of them, honestly. I really love doing both of them. I would say I'll tell anybody just diversify, though. You know, um, if you got unlicensed, try to get some license. And if you got license, try to get some unlicensed because now it puts your mind at ease. And they, they both do have good cash flow, especially compared to, uh, you know, your typical landlord. But, you know, just diversify. I always tell people that. But that, that's a very good question you just asked. Me. And Anthony's dropping bombs for you guys. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to kind of simplify it a little bit for the folks that might be listening out there that are new. Maybe they're not really, they haven't followed our content that much. So the kind of common misconception that we get when people come to us at first is like, they're just confused. Hey, what license do I need to get? How do I get the property, et cetera? Like, and a license is not required. So that's the first thing that we try to get across. Yes, you can get a license. There's advantages to it, disadvantages to it, which I think Anthony hit the nails on the head, like breaking down the advantages and disadvantages. But if you're just starting out there, you kind of want to get your feet wet maybe you don't have a lot of funds to invest in this. You can't purchase a property. You can yep. literally go work with, you know, lease a property from a landlord or even partner with them. Right. And just start breaking down the, the rooms, either private rooms or two beds. And then you're going to cash flow. If it's like five, six bedrooms, you're going to cash flow a couple grand, even on leasing a property, which is like, again, 10 X what your typical landlord is making on these properties right? Yeah. So we want to be clear about that. And then if you want to diversify like Anthony does, there's all types of licenses you could get. You can start charging for the services. And I think the biggest advantage to that, even though the unlicensed properties, you know, if you have like four or five of those, you're making good money, right? Yeah. But yep. the license <laughs> I'm learning with, you know, working with Yaz, he's like our in-house ALF guy. Mm -hmm. the cash flow on those things are just astronomical <laughs> like his minimum minimum property would bring in 10,000 bucks per month yep yep which is which is wild so there's that and then you bring up another really good question and a very like again almost the probably the second most brought up question that we get is it legal? Like, what do I need to do with zoning? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So let's get into that. So you've actually dealt with it. So you've had code, you know, hassle you or, you know, try to mm -hmm. say, Hey, you need to get a license to do that. Why don't we break down that? You know, what, what happened with that situation? Yeah. So this was still the, the very first property, but I was working on property number three, just in different cities. But this particular property, you know, it was ran as pretty much, you know, shared living before I just had to re-tenant it fix some things up when I took over it. And, you know, the city would just always come by, oh, you can't do this, no locks on the doors, you know, things like that. Oh, you need a license, room house license, all this other stuff. Then I actually had to explain to them. And I went there and spoke to the head of uh, code enforcement. And I brung the pamphlet <laughs> from Fair Housing Act. And I pointed out and highlighted, you know, um, how working with certain people with disabilities acts as one which if people don't know, that's really like a familiar status when you have people of uh, like a family and they have children under the age of 18, you know, they kind of classified under familiar status or if you were doing sober living, they act as one because they are a congregate, you know, they all hold each other accountable 
you know, they go to the AA meetings. If people don't know what AA meetings, it's just like the counseling groups they see in the movies where they say, oh, you know, when the last time you've been sober, you know, things like that. When they in a huge circle and they're they in the meeting. So um, things like that. But I, I just had to uh, highlight in the, in the pamphlet and just let them know, like, you know, how these federal guidelines supersede state and city ordinances, especially with zoning, because I, even to this day, it's kind of crazy how they could tell you what your property is zoned for. But I mean, I have no <laughs> I have no answers for how they do that. But as far as the, the federal level, yes, the federal supersedes state, local and county government ordinances. So uh, I had that you know, highlighted out and I actually had funds set to the side for I knew it was going to be a day I kind of run into that. So um, I had fun setting to the side from, the, you know, doing the second and the third home just, you know, as a nest egg, just in case I had to take it a step further. And, yeah, you know, once. But honestly, I didn't have to do all of that because once I did that, and they, I, I, I'm assuming they thought I mean business. <laughs> so uh, they kind of left me alone when it came to that. And I, I didn't really have any issues on that. No, after that. Love it. You know, there's a lot of folks out there, a lot of group homeowners that probably don't know their rights. Yep. They run into that scary situation and then they, they just choose to go out of business, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah folks, you got it. You, you definitely need to understand your rights. There's a whole legal section in our gold course. We've also done, you know, the podcast is in that, that section. And we also have a podcast with Latanya who was, she's actually a lawyer that used to work with HUD and she would go after the local zoning, you know, officials that would do that type of stuff. So yeah. There's a full breakdown on what, you know, what happens to these zoning officials when they do discriminate against folks mm-hmm. like Anthony and you guys, they did choose to take you to court, Anthony, and, and you chose to fight it. Big money. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a there's a full history in, in the gold course breaking that down. But yeah, in practice, in action, these code enforcement people, they don't know the law. Right. So. When someone like Anthony, who's serious, he knows his business, he shows the documents, hey, these are the federal laws that, again, supersede your local laws. Like, this is what could happen, like, if you really want to pursue this, right? Yep. They, uh, you know, they just choose to back off. Yep, absolutely. Because, I mean, like you said, it's, it's well documented, especially, uh, I think I touched on that a little bit. And I know you guys touched on it, too, which I'm, I'm glad you, you, uh, you guys did let people know. But the Oxford House is a, a very well-known one, man. Very well-known. I, I encourage people to definitely look up those articles and check them out. Yeah, that's a quick, again, you know, prove us wrong or, or look into your, yourself. You can look up, like, uh, Oxford House in your area, and you'll see, you know, they're operating, you know, 11 people to a house, right? So if they can yep. do it, you know, why can't you, right? So That's true. Yeah, that's the legal issue. We have a ton of information on this. If you guys really want to get into details on that, that we did a previous podcast. Again, her name's Latanya, where we go into the deep dive on that and the nitty gritty. And then again, just another nugget in the gold course, Anthony, you could have used this, (laughs) but it's Mm -hmm. available to you. Like if it happens in the future, right? We have a letter that Latanya drafted for us. You can kind of use that as like a first line of defense. If you do have code, you know, harass you anymore. So, so, okay. Yeah. So, awesome stuff in, in that legal section of the gold course. So I wanted to, so the, the thing that caught my eye, <laughs> right? So I'm looking at, I'm looking at your posts in the Facebook group. Yeah. looks like you joined us about two years ago. Yeah. And then your recent posts, 163 beds and three buildings. <laughs> so yep. 
<laughs> Anthony's doing mass, massive stuff, right? I mean, even even Andy to this day, he's just kind of focused on the residential stuff still. But yeah. uh, let's get into that, man. So tell me the details about these buildings that you got. Absolutely. So what I what I seen is group homes can be really put in anything. You know, I seen them in a single family home from a small one to a giant one. I seen them in a two family. Typically, you know, people don't really put them in a three or four because it's too many steps. You know, you have a lot of disability people and things like that. And they in commercial buildings. Now, the reason why I love group homes and commercial buildings, because if people don't know, commercial real estate is valued off of the income that it produces. So if you have cash flow coming in of let's call it, and I'm going to give people real life example. I can go over the 35 bed numbers because we already closed. So the 35 beds consist of two commercial buildings. One building is around 11,000 square feet and the other building is around 9,700, somewhere around there. And from there, combined income is around 52,000 gross a month. And then after all expenses paid, utilities, staff workers, payroll, administrator, food, cooks, you know, the whole nine. And we get a lot of free food too. And then uh, we're netting around 31. Now, here's the kicker. When you, you can do a few different things with commercial buildings. So one of them, you, it can be, you can just let it rock out like that. You, you, you can collect 31 net a month and just let it keep going. Or you can do a, a, a nice little lease with yourself and say that, you know, this one entity brings in a 50 and let's say you got a lease triple net. And what people don't know, if, if you knew or if you're in commercial real estate, Triple net is uh, the net of taxes, maintenance, insurance. So if you take that lease to the bank, it looks very, very good. So, you know, uh, you could do a triple net lease with yourself. And then from there, let's say 20000 because you still got 11000 you know, to play with net. So now you got 11000 net. You got a lease with yourself for twenty. Now you, when Alan is ready to sell, you can sell off to a package to a big buyer or, or whatever the case may be. So commercial real estate, you can get very flexible. Very flexible. Now, with residential, the biggest difference is where residential is based off of really the comps. Comps, but the good thing is if you license, this is why I love license side. If you license, you can sell it as a package as the business and the real estate. If it's in a, a residential, same thing in the commercial, but commercial is really by, valued off of the income. Residential, you got the upside of selling it as the business and the actual real estate because when they look at group homes, if it's unlicensed, they just gonna look at comparable sales and just look at, okay, you know, I see the income coming in, but this one around the corner sold for hundred. So, you know, the max I could give you is a hundred, but if you license, you could say, okay, the max I give you is a hundred. And then on top of the hundred, I see his cash flowing, you know, this, this, and that. Now I can give you another hundred because you got positive cash flow coming in. So um, that's the reason uh, I love commercial real estate. In general, you can get very creative. I turn a lot of different properties into facilities. The 163 beds, that's across uh, different buildings. So it's actually much more than that. So I have a 44 in Detroit I'm working on. That's going to be under seller finance. In Detroit, just so if anybody is in Detroit, I just want to say this too, Brandon. Uh, Brandon, If you're in Detroit, man, it's the best time to do assisted living facilities because you don't need a license, which is crazy to me. I've never seen nothing like that in any other state. You don't even need a license to do assisted living facilities. So people should look that up. It's all on their state website. So um, that one's going to be a sister living facility, 44 beds. We have a 95-bed package deal, a sober living facility, the um, 95. And then I got an 18 in uh, Detroit again, which is another licensed group home. And then I have another one I just put under contract. I'm waiting on exact bedroom count and everything like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's much more than that. But, yeah, man, I'm just trying to ramp it up. 
and take it from there. Unbelievable the moves this guy is making, folks. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, uh, hey, check out in the gold course and the important okay. documents. So it's the sample business plan. So, okay. and here's a little nugget for you. So what Anthony was breaking down the commercial thing is the bank is going to value, you know, it's like a combination of the real estate, but also the business that you're running. And that's kind of what it's valued as. Andy was able to kind of pitch that idea with the unlicensed business model to a local credit union. And he nice. was able to get a lot of capital. So check that sample business plan out, you know, tweak yep. it. And you could probably use that strategy with the unlicensed ones too. It, you're just going to have to, he recommends working with like local small banks. You know, if you go to like one of these big corporate banks, you're probably not going to be able to pull that off, but you got the gift of gab, <laughs> right? So you could, <laughs> you know, start looking for these, uh, the, like the small banks or credit unions. And, uh, you know, you could do that with the residential, your residential side too. So just want oh, to point that out. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So man, massive moves that, that Anthony's making dropped some major bombs. What's in the future for you, Anthony? I'm sure, <laughs> you know, you already make it big moves, but I'm sure there's some bigger moves to come. What's, what's kind of the goals? What's, the next couple of years look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. So my goal is between the end of this year, which I'm trying to close out some of these deals so I can make that happen, or early next year. I'm still pushing for this year, but I'm going to open up a fund, a real estate fund, not a crowd fund. It's going to be uh, either a private equity or a debt fund. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit more involved with that with, you know, government compliance, SEC, Security Exchange Commission, if you know anybody else know what that is. And I'm going to take it to another level and start getting portfolio deals. And that's going to be one of my uh, personal goals from there, because now I'm looking at builders with all of these rooms and beds in it and um, kind of switching things up because I'm starting to see a lot of these sellers are a little old school. So I want to put newer systems into place, making sure that they're getting quality service, you know, and things like that. Because not just, you know, cash flow is great, but I generally love what I do because I'm helping the community. And then from there, I want to make sure I provide service on my end. For even if it's unlicensed, if I can help them, you know, rebuild a credit, which I've done that over the years, rebuild a credit and get into an apartment, you know, help them find a part time job if they're not on SSI and things like that. So I want to be able to provide that service to people. So now that um, I do that, they, they tend to stay with us for a long time and then they, they pay on time and then I get to be able to package these deals up and, and put them in a fund. And then on the side note, within the next let's call it five years. I want to have over a thousand beds, which I think I can do that within the next two to three years. But I want to have over a thousand beds because my goal is I know some people on Wall Street. And I can put this into the air so I can uh, always listen to this podcast and be like, OK, I'll help myself accountable. And uh, I want to uh, package it up and sell it to some people on uh, Wall Street. And then I know they would go for it because it's a, it's a very great business model. And I know a couple of guys in uh, New York that I, that I can probably uh, make some phone calls and, and, and package it. So um, that's that's ultimately my goal, man. I'm just trying to take it to another level. Always leveling up. <laughs> yep. it was, man, it, it's very cool to see the history in the Gold Course member group and, and like to see where you're at now. And I can't wait to see the future here. So we definitely, dude, we got to do a part two sometime soon for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be cool. That'd definitely yeah. be cool. Yeah. So folks out there listening probably going to want to rewind this a couple times. <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're not on our mailing list, bare minimum, head on over to grouphomeriches.com, get the free material. We pack a ton of value into that. We kind of focus on 
folks that are, again, we typically just teach the simple business model, get you up and running. We show folks that, you know, if you're, you know, check to check, maybe you're just looking to lease a property. We, we show you guys how to partner with landlords, what to say to them, things like that. And then from there, you see the possibilities, the, you know, the stuff that Anthony's talking about, right? You can take this thing to the moon, but focus on those first steps. So head on over to grouphomeriches.com, join the mailing list. If it sounds like something that you want to do, 100% join the gold course at the time of recording. It's only 179 bucks. With that, you get to join the gold course members group and network with folks like Anthony. And Anthony, I see in there, like, you know, talk about the group a little bit. I think you've maybe done a couple of deals or some partners and within the gold course group. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I try to post as much as I can, man. I, I just do a whole lot of things. And I think the deal that you probably seen was I bought a rooming house, which was still getting up and running in Detroit. This was about, this was actually last year. And I partnered up with a uh, good old Johnny. Shout out to Johnny. He's a very good guy, man, especially in person. Uh, we sat down and talked. I love his business model, too. His energy is, is phenomenal. So um, he's located in Detroit. So, um, you know, uh, he's going to run some things for me on that end. And then uh, we're partnering up for some future ventures that he find out there. If I, Maybe I can bring the money to him or something like that. And then we can probably make it work. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the deal that you're probably referring to in Detroit. I love it, man. That's why we put that together so folks can network out there. You find landlords to partner with if you are a landlord and you're looking for like operational people and vice versa. So I I love seeing that happen. And we are we're approaching 2000 members strong, folks. So definitely look forward to seeing more people in there. Anthony, drop some major bombs. Do you have any parting words for the folks and also, you know, let them know where, where they can find more of your stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I was I would say, man, just get started, you know. But before you can get started, you need education. I'm a firm believer in that. Before you can take action, you got to get educated. So, um, you know, whether that's growth course or any, anywhere that you find education, I'm always educating myself, just like Brandon told me about, you know, the, the business model Andy is doing with, you know, small credit unions. I was like, okay, that's phenomenal. So now I'm going to go back in there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I'm always looking for more education as well. So I, I'm never too big to do anything. And don't ever think, you know, once you get up and running, you're too big to do something. So, you know, I would say get educated. That's that. And, and believe in yourself. I will probably leave people off with that, too, because I see a lot of people getting discouraged. But if you want it bad enough and you're hungry for it, the, the universe will kind of align that with your vision as long as you keep, you know, heading forward. So that's pretty much that. And then you can find me on uh, Facebook at uh, Anthony Lawson, first and last name. And then uh, on Instagram, you can find me at Anthony underscore the investor. And then, uh, yeah, you can fill out my link tree and all that stuff and see what I do. And then that's pretty much it. Looking forward to connect with everybody. I love it, man. Again, drop some major bombs. We definitely need to get we, we got to do a part two soon. Uh, we'll get Andy on here. And he's I'm sure he's going to have a whole bunch of high level questions for you. He was he was yep. interested when I when I told him he, he hit me with a ton of questions. So, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Look forward to you know seeing this thing build and look forward to talking to you soon, man. I'll, I'll let you get going. I know you got some, some moves to make. Yeah, no worries at all. I appreciate you extending the invite. Keep doing what you guys are doing, you and Andy, because uh, I love uh, educating the community, man, and about uh, uh, the best kept secret. So, yeah, keep doing what you guys are doing. And then, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Have a great day. You too. Thanks a lot.